Our text, our focus, the, 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 the passage I'm going to be preaching on this morning uh, is in the Gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And we'll be reading from there and focusing on that passage, but Luke, in constructing that story, draws a number of themes from the Old Testament, from similar stories in the Old Testament. And I'd like to read one for you this morning before we turn to Luke. So, so keep your fingers in Luke, perhaps, and turn with me, or, or, just, or just listen to this story from Isaiah chapter 6. The call of God's prophet Isaiah. And in that chapter, we read these words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And now our text, our focus for this morning, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that is, they were pressing in on Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, We toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, 
They enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Thanks be to God for His Word. This was not the first time that that the man named Simon, who would later be called Peter, met Jesus. The, The very first time that he encountered Jesus was almost certainly what we have recorded for us at the beginning of the book of John. Uh, Peter's brother Andrew actually met Jesus first. He, 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 he met Jesus before Peter himself had. A- Andrew had been one of John the Baptist's disciples. And, and one day, while Andrew was, was with John the Baptist, Jesus came walking toward them. And when John saw Jesus, he said in the hearing of all of his disciples, all of his students, Look, look, behold, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John made it clear to his disciples that as great as his own preaching ministry had been, as effective as it had been in in calling people to repentance, it was just a warm-up act for Jesus. John told his disciples, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. that's, That's quite something to say. John, John, who was recognized by most people as a prophet sent from God, John made it clear that Jesus was something even greater than a prophet. And then the the very next day, John sees Jesus again, and he says to his, his disciples once again, Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And having been taught a little bit a little bit about who Jesus was by John, Andrew and another disciple who's unnamed at this point begin to follow Jesus. And they take Jesus as their own teacher. But even before following Jesus, Andrew goes and grabs his brother Simon and brings him to Jesus as well. And Andrew is pretty sure that he knows who Jesus is. Because when he goes and finds Peter, see, Simon and Peter, same person, he tells Peter, we found the Messiah, we found the Christ. And so Simon comes to Jesus, he's introduced to Jesus, he begins to to figure out a little bit about who Jesus is. But But he's not quite where he's going to be. He doesn't know as much about Jesus as he will come to know. And you may have noticed again by this point that I I, I refer to the same person as both Simon and, and Peter. And the reason that he's called both Simon and Peter is because Jesus, the very first time that he met Peter or Simon, said to him, you know what, your name was Simon, It's, it's, it's Peter now. Jesus exercised his messianic authority and called this man who had previously been called Simon Peter. He gives him a new name. He gives him a new name. 
And now one of the next times that Simon meets Jesus is, is in the episode that we've looked at already just a few weeks ago. Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever, and since Jesus' reputation as a prophet sent by God and also as a miracle worker doing mighty signs from God had become well known to all the people in Galilee, those who were in the house asked Jesus to heal her. And of course, Jesus did. He rebuked the fever, and at his rebuke, the sickness turned and fled. So once we get to the beginning of this passage, what does Peter know about Jesus? Well, he knows a number of things for sure. He knows that Jesus has been called the Lamb of God by John the Baptist, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He knows that John has publicly said that Jesus is greater than he is. We know that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, has told him flat out that Jesus is probably the Messiah. And we know that Simon Peter has witnessed at least one miracle at the hands of Christ. And yet, and yet, though Simon could be fairly characterized as a follower of Jesus, as someone who agreed with the things that Jesus said and and did, as someone who was certainly impressed by Jesus, as someone who had probably seen Jesus as a moral example worthy of imitation, Though he knew all that about Jesus, he, was, he, he had not yet been bowled over by, by, by the true identity of Jesus of Nazareth, but all that was about to change. And as a result, nothing in Peter's life would ever be the same again. Another reason, the reason that I'm introducing this sermon in this way is because I'm afraid, in fact, I'm convinced that there are many who call themselves Christians, who know many things about Christ, but who have failed to encounter Christ himself. There are many who would call themselves Christians who know, for example, historically, that Jesus is the Messiah. They know that for a fact. They know that Jesus was a man who worked miracles. They know as a fact of history that Jesus was a great teacher, that Jesus was a great moral example, that Jesus reveals our sin even. That Jesus is the only way to God. They know all those things about Jesus, but they do not, in fact, know Jesus. And this is one of the most dangerous positions that you can find yourself in. Knowing all kinds of things about Jesus, but not knowing the Savior himself. You understand there is a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. And Christ himself said that at the last day, At the last judgment, there will be many who say to him, Lord, Lord, to whom he will reply, I never knew you. Implying, of course, that they never knew him. And because of this great danger, I plead with you this morning as you listen to the word of God that you not simply take it in for information but that you would listen to the voice of Christ, that you would not simply be informed here, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why we come to church. That's why we come to the Scriptures, to see Christ and to know Christ. And we're going to be looking at our text this morning in three sections. The first thing we're going to see is revelation. Jesus Christ is going to reveal himself to Peter, and so also to us. 
The second thing we're going to see is realization. A a switch is going to flick in Peter's mind, and he's going to realize something about Jesus that he has never realized before. And the third thing we're going to see is reassignment. So revelation, realization, reassignment. Having encountered Jesus, having come to know Jesus, Peter is now commissioned with a new task because when you meet Jesus, when you come to know Jesus, the whole trajectory of your life changes in an instant. Now, the first thing, like I said, that we're going to be looking at together is is revelation. And Jesus reveals himself to Peter in two stages. Who Jesus is becomes progressively clearer and clearer to Peter and to the other fishermen who are with him. So the text opens on a scene that's quite familiar to us if we know the Gospels. Uh, Jesus is teaching. The crowds are all around him. Luke tells us that they were pressing in on him to hear the words of God. In another place in the Gospels, Jesus said that, that, that he took pity on the crowds because they were like sheep scattered around without a shepherd. These were people who had not been well fed by their spiritual leaders. And so when they heard the voice of Jesus, they knew that they were hearing the voice of God. They knew that Jesus was a prophet. They knew that what Jesus had to say was worth hearing. And so they came in droves. And the way that Luke paints this picture is that there were so many people that Jesus was actually backing and backing and backing and just about standing in the shallows of the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret, Luke calls it here. It was probably near the town of Capernaum, which served as the base of operations for Jesus while he was ministering in Galilee. So now as Jesus is teaching, and as he's just about, just about getting pushed into the lake, he, he, he looks around and sees these two boats standing near him, or grounded, rather, near him. And he knows the owners of these two boats, and so he calls one of them over. He calls Simon over. Simon and his partners were just cleaning up their tools after a long night out on the lake. And Simon's happy enough to oblige. He rows the boat out a little bit from the shore, and, and Jesus now has a platform from which to speak, almost a floating pulpit. And Jesus sits down, as Jewish teachers of this time, or rabbis were accustomed to do while they were teaching, and he teaches the crowds from the boat. And up to this point, Peter sees Jesus in the role that Jesus has been filling the entire time that Peter has known him. Jesus is acting as a teacher, as a preacher, as a prophet. A popular teacher, yes, but just, just a teacher. But now, now something changes. Verse 4, this teacher issues a strange command. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, this might not seem like a strange command to us, uh, but we live in Alberta, a province that's not exactly known for its fishing industry. And besides that, the fishing that we may know is quite different from the fishing that took place on the Sea of Galilee. See, Peter didn't have a rod and reel. He wasn't fishing with a hook and a worm or even a spinner or a spoon. Peter was, was a net fisherman. And fishing with a net takes a fair amount of skill. Anyone can cast a hook into the water, but fishing with a net, that, that takes skill. A great deal of, of, of accumulated wisdom went into this task of fishing with a net. But Jesus, he, he was no fisherman. Jesus was a construction worker first and a preacher second. And so you can understand Simon's response. Simon's an experienced fisherman. 
He's likely lived on this Sea of Galilee, this lake, all his life. And if his family was typical, then, then he was doing the same work for, uh, that, 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 that his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather and his great-great-grandfather all the way down through, through the generations had done for centuries. And in doing this job, Peter had, accu- had, had accumulated the wisdom of many generations. He knew where to fish, he knew how to fish, and he certainly knew when to fish. And it certainly was not fishing time. So he tells Jesus, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Peter knows that Jesus is quite important. Peter knows that Jesus is quite influential. Peter, by this point, has has been associated with with Jesus even a, a little bit as well. And so he refers to Jesus with this term, which means something very similar to teacher or schoolmaster or, or, or rabbi. Peter sees Jesus at this point not as Lord, but as a great teacher. And as you know, he's not alone in that. Many see Jesus as a great teacher, but will not take him as Lord. And because he has this polite respect for Jesus, he, he listens to Jesus' request. No, I've not experienced this myself, but but I've been told that if you visit certain resorts on the Gulf of Mexico or if you go to the right towns in B.C. or Newfoundland, you can hire a fisherman to take you fishing. And because he knows the waters and you don't, because he knows the task of fishing better than you possibly could, you will trust his expertise. You will fish where he, where he tells you to fish. But, but if you're paying him enough, I imagine he'd be willing to oblige even if you wanted to go fishing in the wrong spot. And that seems to be the sort of idea that's going through Peter's mind right now. Peter knows that it's the wrong spot. Peter knows it's the wrong time of day. But it's like he's saying, yeah, whatever you want, boss man. He knows that with the sun up in the sky, the fish will uh, very clearly see the boat and the net, and and they will swim away from it. The kind of fishing he's doing really works best when the sky is dark and the water is murky. But despite the fact that he knows that this command from Jesus seems for all the world like absolute foolishness, he obliges. It seems silly to him. Master, we've toiled all night, we caught nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And what happens? What does Luke say? When they had done this, It's like as soon as they let down the nets, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. Now, Peter's a professional fisherman. I'm sure his nets met the industry standard. I'm sure that by this point in his career, he had taken in large catches of fish, but this, this is beyond anything he has ever seen before. And the catch is so great that Peter and the other guys in the boat have to to gesture to their friends to call them over. John, James, come on over. They signal to their friends in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so full that they begin to sink. And so you can see them, can't you, reaching into the water, grabbing fish after fish after fish, taking them into the boat, trying to reduce the strain on the net. And in the middle of all that chaos, Peter realizes something. Our text tells us, but when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, Simon Peter is realizing something about Jesus here that he's never realized before. 
And it's not just that new information is entering into his brain. He already knew that Jesus was a prophet. He already knew that Jesus was a miracle worker. He already knew that Jesus had power over diseases and demons. But all of those things that Peter already knew fit neatly into the same box, the same category. Right? Peter knew his stories of Moses and Elijah in the Old Testament. He knew that prophets also worked miracles. And so it wasn't a large leap to go from, okay, Jesus is a prophet to, okay, so now Jesus is a miracle worker as well. But Jesus here does something altogether unexpected. He shows Simon Peter that he doesn't just fit into his preconceived notions of what a prophet or a Messiah ought to look like. No, he absolutely obliterates every category that Simon Peter has in his head. And it might seem to us like a small thing. But in this miracle, Jesus is showing himself to be someone who knows more about fishing than a fisherman does. And that fact does not fit neatly into Peter's Messiah box. It does not fit into the categories that he's carefully constructed for himself. Right? Peter's Peter's got this idea of what the Messiah should look like, what a prophet should look like. Teaching? Check. Miracles? Check. Prophecy? Check. And Jesus does all those things, but now now this miracle is, is completely outside of that, and Peter is just astounded. He's floored. Jesus has done what is completely unexpected. And Peter, and and those who are with him, though Peter's in the foreground, Peter catches a glimpse of something beyond what he already knew. He catches a glimpse, like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, he catches a glimpse of divinity. And he is simply floored. And again, you'll recognize this, this response from Peter. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You'll recognize this response. Peter responds to Jesus the same way that Isaiah responded to that vision of the glory of God in the temple. Isaiah saw the glory of God. He saw the holy angels all around God's throne crying out, Holy, 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 God is totally unlike you. And he was beside himself. He lost it. He cries out, Woe is me! I am undone! I am unclean! My eyes have seen the Lord! Peter, uh, rather Isaiah, is, is, is concerned that he'll be struck out in, in, in an instant because he knows that he is an unholy man in the presence of a great and awesome and holy God. And Peter responds the exact same way here. He sees Jesus do the impossible And he's floored, he's bowled over, he's absolutely amazed, and he's struck more than anything else by a sense of his own unworthiness. He knows that he is in the presence of the Holy One of God, and that he is a sinful man. And you understand, don't you? You understand how essential this realization of, of, of who God is and, and who we are is. If we are ever to enter into the kingdom of God, let alone do anything for the kingdom of God, we must first come to know exactly who we are. And critically, we must come to know who God is. If we are ever to enter into or do anything for the kingdom of God, we must first come face to face with the God of the kingdom. And now please understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying you need special dreams or visions or special revelations from God letting you know that He's letting you into His kingdom. No, I'm talking about an encounter with the living God through His Word and Spirit. 
I'm talking about the Word, the Word of God coming alive to you and showing you both your great need for salvation and also your Savior Jesus and all of His glory. See, Peter sees Jesus in the boat, not as what he'd always assumed Jesus was, but as something altogether different. He'd called him master before, teacher before, but now, now Jesus becomes something so completely different, so completely more. Now, G- now Peter calls him Lord. See, Peter had followed Jesus before. Peter had listened to Jesus before. Peter had probably even liked Jesus before. But now he comes to know who Jesus is. And in an instant, he's changed. Because when you come face to face with God's Messiah... And when you come to realize both who He is and who you are, nothing can ever be the same again. And look, Jesus recognizes this. Jesus recognizes this. He sees that Peter has been changed through an encounter with the living God. In fact, knowing Jesus, this is probably the exact reason that He told Peter to take him fishing in the first place. Jesus was not there in the boat to catch fish. Jesus was there in the boat to catch fishermen. And if you know Peter, if you know his history, if you know all the things that Jesus would later do through Peter, then you recognize the significance of this moment. Christ here is is gathering his disciples. He's gathering the materials that he needs to lay the foundation for the church. Christ is about to do some great work through Peter, and now that Peter has been altogether brought low, brought to nothing by a display of the power of Christ, he is ready for a new calling. He's ready to be reassigned. No longer will he simply be Simon Peter the fisherman. From now on, he is Simon Peter the fisher of men. And Christ tells him two things. First, don't be afraid, and secondly, from now on, you'll be catching men. And both those things are important. First of all, don't be afraid. Why should he not be afraid? He's in the presence of God himself. He's in the presence of the Lord. He's seen the might of Christ displayed. Why should he not be afraid? Isn't fear the exact thing that should be going through his mind at that moment? He is, after all, a sinful man. And what is sinful cannot survive in the presence of God. But Christ says, do not fear. And again, remember Isaiah, whose cries of terror in the presence of the holiness of God were met with the comfort that his sins had been removed from him. See, Jesus knew that Peter was sinful. Peter didn't have to tell him. But Jesus says, don't be afraid because Jesus is going to take his sins from him. And secondly, Jesus says to Peter, from now on, you will be catching men. This brings to mind the prophecy of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 16, 16. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch my people. And afterward, I will send many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. God had promised already back in the Old Testament that he was going to send messengers, he was going to send hunters and fishermen to bring his people to himself, to bring his exiled people, his runaway people, to himself. And now he's enlisting Peter in this 
in this cause. This is a message of hope. This is a message of hope. This is God's way of bringing back his people from their exile, from their alienation from him, and he's going to use Peter to do it. And who's Peter? Peter's just an unlearned fisherman. He's a sinner. He's poor. But can Peter now have confidence? He's been given this commission by Christ, but he knows his own weakness. So can Peter have confidence that he can carry this task out? Well, yes. Yes, he can have confidence. Listen, Peter thought that Jesus knew absolutely nothing about fishing. He thought that Jesus' commands were folly. But Jesus showed him that what looks like folly in the eyes of men was, in fact, the wisdom of God. And so how how does this end? Verse 11, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Because when you come to realize who Jesus truly is, then everything else just shrinks in comparison. When you come to to realize who Jesus is and who you are by comparison, then you are more prepared for service in the kingdom of God than any seminary graduate, any doctor of theology who has never been humbled, who's never been brought low in such a fashion. I mean, just, just, just think of how Peter and his fellow disciples were seen by the, by the religious professionals in Jerusalem following Jesus' resurrection and ascension. They were country bumpkins. They were, they were rubes. They were uneducated fishermen. They were despised by the religious professionals, but because they had been with Jesus and because they had known Jesus, They were a dynamic force that nothing in all the wisdom of Jerusalem could match. And now you. Are you ready? Are you ready if he calls you to do so, to leave everything and follow Jesus? Have you had an encounter with the Christ? Have you experienced some glimpse of the splendor of His presence? Now, if you have not, there is no better time than now to ask for just such a thing. Christ is in heaven, and Christ answers prayer. So ask Him to send His Holy Spirit to you to teach you not only what Christ is, but to teach you who Christ is, and then ask Him to use you. It doesn't matter who you are. Christ can use you and will use you if you ask. Ask Him to guide you along your particular path of righteousness. And here, again, don't expect visions or signs or special messages from God to show up at your doorstep. No, trust that God will lead you as He ordinarily does. Trust that God will lead you through His Spirit, speaking through His Word and through His church. And now listen, even if the path of righteousness looks like folly, like the very height of foolishness to you or to your friends, remember, it's foolish to fish on the Sea of Galilee with a net in the middle of the day. But Jesus can draw in a great catch nevertheless. Let's pray. Our Father, we do ask 
that you would change our perception of everything around us. Because we do not take Jesus nearly seriously enough. So whether it's by overturning our earthly pursuits or showing us the depths of our sin in the light of His glory and holiness, Father, let us see Jesus. and Let us see His glory. And let us go off changed forever. Make us useful servants. Servants whose only aim is to please the good Lord who bought us. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.